0: I think if anything I learned from going to Tennessee was like don't find ex- like there's no excuses just figure out a way around it like if something's not working it's like make it work you know if you don't like that zone defense make that zone defense work figure it out you know like it's just like a no nonsense mentality like no excuses just you know straight to the point I mean there's so much you can say about her we could go another 30 minutes about her you know like <laughs>
1: another season in the books, the podcast featuring professional athletes who have taken their careers overseas. We'll hear about their seasons, come and gone, the process, their struggles, and what it's been like living and playing overseas. We'll also talk academics and the differences between the European and the American systems. I'm your host, Leslie Knight, 12-year veteran in Europe's professional basketball leagues. Let's get to it. Hola to the crew. How's everyone doing? I am doing well, adjusting to life post-basketball season and chipping away slowly but surely on the level one basketball course required for all coaches here in Spain. There are also levels two and three. They are no joke and I'm pretty sure we have nothing like them back in the good old US of A. But anyway, on a different note, I am extremely excited to announce this week's interviewee, and if you didn't pick up on who she was talking about in that quick snippet we just heard, well, she was making reference to the one and only Pat Summit. a basketball legend, someone who will be remembered for years and years and years. It was so fun to talk with Angie. She has a fabulous sense of humor. She's upbeat, positive, her story is entertaining, and if you take nothing else away from this podcast, I hope it's the mental image of Angie training by herself. Sprinting, shuffling, talking, and trying to get that basketball shape because Lord knows it's oh too easy to lose and so, 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 so hard to get back. Let's get on with the show and hear from La Senorita Angie Bjorkland herself. Good afternoon, Angie Bjorkland. Welcome to the pod and thank you so much for dedicating some of your time today to be with us.
0: Thank you. I'm excited. This will be fun.
1: It will be fun. And before we get started, I just have to shout out to my relatives out there in Washington State. Because um, so something else that I do, I try I try to do this on a weekly basis, but I write like an email, old school email home to family and friends. And wow. um every time we play a game, I always usually mention like who the foreigners are on the other team just to give people a little background information and whatnot. And all of a sudden, one of my relatives, Howie, who lives in I think you pronounce it as Cayuse Cove off of the Spokane River. Um, it's north of Davenport. It's like 15 miles north okay. of Davenport. Yep. Um, nice. He responds to my email and he's like, Angie Bjorklund? I followed her whole high school career and like oh. followed her college career. And I was like, oh my gosh, because I, I just had no idea that he would even know about you. And um, so he was really excited about it. And I
0: love um, it. I love it. Yeah. That's
1: so cool. So he will he will definitely enjoy this podcast and just, you know, because he's a huge sports fan and has followed you. So um
0: oh that's awesome. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Every when you when you said Washington, anytime I hear Washington State, I'm just like, oh you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: someone from home (laughs) it's such a beautiful state i mean the times that i've been out there because my mom my mom grew up in washington state um i don't know if you've heard of ritzville
0: oh yeah yep
1: so my mom she grew up on a farm near there and then her parents eventually moved to ritzville and then she ended up uh coming to minnesota long story but um but yeah whenever we've been out there i've just loved it it's just green it's um
0: I've been like, I've obviously traveled all over, but the Pacific Northwest just has my heart, like <laughs> all over, like Oregon, Washington, even Idaho. It's just so beautiful. So green. So pretty. It's fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I have uncles and aunts in Seattle and uh, mm. I have other family members that used to live in Walla Walla, which I love saying yeah. I love that name. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. The That's
0: Tri-City. Awesome. Yep. My sister lived around it, around that area. It's nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, your sister, we'll get into this a little bit, but she played for Gonzaga.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So she, I grew up playing with my sister my whole life. So we're, you know, each other's only siblings. So it was fun to have her as a teammate growing up.
1: Yeah. Very cool. My cousin who grew up in Seattle, he actually was a walk-on for the men's team back in the day really yeah
0: no way what year
1: yeah now that well he's younger than I am and your sister is okay. older than you are so
0: right okay yeah my sister is two years older so okay. she was bummed when I didn't say I wanted to go to you know she understood <laughs> but she was like come on Gonzaga you know everybody was rooting for it the Zags right, right.
1: <laughs> yeah. okay yeah. well so tell me about your first um sports memory as a little kid doesn't have to be basketball just whatever you remember about sports
0: oh good question um I remember playing soccer first because that's kind of like the easy you know my friends played soccer I feel like everybody's kind of thrown into soccer, <laughs> soccer go kick the ball around um first memory for basketball was um probably just dribbling outside with my dad and my sister and just kind of messing around and you know how you had the little hoops and stuff and you just try to score and he taught me how to dribble and taught me how to my dad taught me how to dribble taught me how to shoot and yeah and then basically my sister played was to you know when you have a one sibling that's 2 years older you just do whatever they do so she played basketball so i played basketball she played soccer i played soccer you know i just wanted to follow her around like a little you know mini mini Jamie so yeah
1: exactly yeah i followed yeah. my brothers around for a long time i had the short hair just like them um <laughs> yeah. You know, I, have yes. to give, I give props to my mom for like letting me be who I wanted to be and, you know, not dress me up as a little girl, but I was a pure boy until maybe fifth grade.
0: <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, I was too. Someone at one point was like, what do you want to be for Halloween? And I was like, a boy, you know, because there's so much cooler. They like to throw footballs. They like to play basketball. I was like, I get this. You know?
1: Exactly. <laughs> Um yeah. okay, so then you you've basically answered my second question, which was um, you know, did you grow up in a sports-oriented family? And the answer is obviously yes.
0: Yeah, so my grandpa, he played um college basketball at, um WSU, Washington State. And then um my Everyone went there. Yeah, no way. Washington nice. State, yep. Let's <laughs> <Cool>. go. <laughs> Small world. Yep. And then my uncle played for the Ducks, Oregon. Okay. or University of and then so they both coached me and then my dad as well he played um gosh at a like, like junior college or something mm-hmm. so like I yeah growing up had a lot of a lot of basketball influence on my life so
1: that's yeah. awesome um yeah so then I'm assuming you started really young but when would you say you started taking it pretty serious or like more seriously
0: mm-hmm. so I was I was lucky. Like I had um, a lot of resources growing up with like camps and stuff. And like, uh, I don't know if you h- heard of NBC camp, probably not. It's Northwest basketball camps. It's a super popular camp in the Northwest. And they started a, like it's all over the Pacific Pacific Northwest. And they started a, a year around like Academy almost that basically you go practice three times a week with the same coaches and train and stuff. And, I got, you know, probably started doing that when I was in fourth or fifth grade just for three years straight. And that's kind of when I started taking it seriously. And, you know, when you get thrown into club basketball early and club sports in general, and you start traveling, and my dad was kind of like, okay, this is getting expensive for soccer and basketball. Pick a sport, you know? And I was like, okay, basketball. So, yeah.
1: So you were traveling. were you was this like an AAU thing or
0: yeah yeah so AAU I started doing like travel team AAU probably like fifth sixth grade
1: okay
0: yeah too yeah and then after that that's when I had to kind of pick one sport to focus on I mean I could do you know you do school sports too and I Mm play tennis and volleyball and other sports for school just for fun but for like the travel team probably from sixth grade on was just basketball.
1: Right, I I think a lot of people here in Europe and Spain specifically, they're not familiar with AAU. Um, Right. What does that stand for again? Like amateur athletics union or something?
0: I'm impressed you know that. I had no (laughs) idea growing up.
1: (laughs) It's something like that, but it's basically a club sport during the summer and people kind of get recruited to play on certain teams and you if depending on what kind of team you're on you could play all over the country and it does get very expensive for families um yeah so to have multiple kids and multiple aau teams or whatever the deal is i mean but um you get you get seen by a lot of coaches that way and so i'm wondering like when, when did the recruiting process start for you
0: oh gosh well yeah i was so because, you know, my sister's two years older and it was convenient for <laughs> me and her to be on the same team for my family to travel and like watch us. And mm-hmm. so we played on the same um, travel team together. So I was a little bit I was the younger one on the team. So I got seen a little bit younger. Let's see. I mean, probably start of high school, like ninth grade. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah, around there, probably eighth, ninth grade.
1: So and then but I
0: that I you go to like sanctioned tournaments and stuff where the coaches can watch you. That's where the, you know, that's where you get seen. I was lucky. I played with like, I think the year I graduated high school, there was seven people on our team that got D one scholarships. So like we had a great, great team. And the year before that, it was the same. So, yeah.
1: So did you guys win state?
0: No, no, no. So this was the AU.
1: Oh, the AU team. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yep. The AAU team. Yeah. So basically all the players in Spokane, Washington, like the good players came together on one team. And then we just traveled around like East coast, West coast and played, you know, at these sanctioned tournaments where you get seen by um, college coaches and stuff, which was really helpful. Yeah. You
1: know, okay. So for a lot of young athletes, the recruiting process, granted, it's very different now than it was for us back then but um it can be overwhelming confusing exciting um what was the process like for you i'm sure you were receiving a lot of mail
0: yeah so my my sister was a little bit more i feel like overwhelming i committed fairly early in the in the game so she waited until her last till like the last year you can i think that's like what junior senior year
1: Mm-hmm. um
0: so I committed going into my sophomore year of high school
1: wow yeah
0: so I was just like I knew I wanted to go there and I just said yes so the that was kind of at the point where they were just able to start calling you so I didn't I didn't really get too many letters and stuff from it wasn't too overwhelming because I just kind of knew what I where I wanted to go yeah. so I got lucky there.
1: yeah oh, I mean being so young obviously growing up we all saw Tennessee we all knew about Pat Summit. Um, but being so young, like you really felt that confident in just committing and you hadn't even probably been there for a visit yet or had you?
0: Yeah. So I went to a camp there because I hadn't been seen by them, like just, just because I love Pat Summit. And that's when she like saw me play and she offered me a scholarship at the camp I went to when I was in ninth grade. And I was just like, yes and my dad called my dad and my dad was like no you're not saying yes right now like you need to look at other schools you need to be patient and I waited like what, well, like not even a year you know like four months later
1: wow but yeah so, yeah wow I mean I'm like I'm a little bit older than you I graduated college in 2008 um nice But I know now young players will commit early, but I still feel like that was, you were probably, there probably weren't too many other players at that time committing when they were uh, a ninth grader or a sophomore.
0: Yeah, so sophomore was young. Um, I think the class that I came in with, they all committed fairly early too, I think. like They took, I remember going on, Well, that's not necessarily true. Because I remember even if you commit, you go on the man, you're really jogging my memory with this (laughs) process. (laughs) Even if you commit, they let you still go on your official visit. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like the one that committed and trying to convince some of the other players to commit, you know? Or like, so yeah, it was, I was fairly early compared to the other. Everybody kind of waited and it was Made it easy though.
1: Right. So. All right. Then I'm going to have to rethink some of these questions um, <laughs> because I, I had no idea you committed so early. So yeah. like what do you remember your first phone conversation with Pat Summit, or do you remember like the first uh, when you first yeah, met first you the first time like what that was like?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I do remember seeing her at camp. So this is like camp. You go to a Tennessee camp. There's like thousands of kids, right? Like, you're just, like, kind of swimming in the sea of the campers. And uh, I think she had heard about, like, knew I was coming, um, had sent, like, I got a, like, unofficial letter from them, not, like, just what, you know, because with the rules and everything, they can only do so much. Um, But when I I remember walking on campus, and her just coming up in her car, and then, like, rolling the window down a little bit, and was like, hey, Bjorkland, get in the car. And I was like, okay you know, like I'm coming yeah. and she you know and she was just like hey where are you going like let me drive you like I just wanted to introduce myself yada 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 and I was like wow I could barely talk because I had been you know Tennessee fan my whole life so it was a, it was a really cool moment
1: wow and
0: yeah I got a couple other times during the camp to talk to her and stuff but it was surreal for sure
1: Yeah, I can't even imagine. So, I mean, obviously like going far away from home was not a big deal for you. It was like, this is where I want to go. And adios mom and dad, like I'll see see you at Christmas maybe.
0: Yeah. You think you don't really know. I mean, my sister went 20 minutes from home and she got homesick. You know, it's just like, no matter where you go in college, like you're leaving home for the first time you're going to, it's hard. So I think that was, I was definitely homesick. Um, a little bit of a culture shock, you know, obviously with the Southern accents and everything, you know, it's definitely a culture shock, but it was fun. I'm glad I got to experience, you know, that part of the country and I love it. Like I still carry some of the things I learned from there and everything. It's, it's good, it's good experience.
1: So then you went there for your official visit, um, and I'm assuming you got more of a taste, because you committed as a sophomore, but then you didn't go on your official visit till like your your senior year.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I got a little bit more of a taste of the culture and stuff. I want to say I did, man, man you're racking my memory <laughs> on that. I'm trying to remember now. Um, yeah, I mean... The official visits are fun. I think it was fun um, getting to know some of the, uh, you know, your future teammates that you're going to go. So when I went on my visit, most of the people that were there were going, were about to graduate or were going to be seniors. So who I was getting to know wasn't really, you know, who were quote unquote recruiting me on that or, you know, taking me around campus or whatever. I wasn't actually going to play with them. So we exactly. all came in as freshmen and that was kind of a new generation. There was a huge gap. There was like five seniors, five freshmen. I mean, it was interesting gap.
1: But year freshman year, was that Candace Parker's junior year?
0: Her senior year.
1: Oh, her senior year. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there were five seniors and then the freshmen. So they kind of all just took, took us under their belt and we were just along for the ride for that season. Yeah. And then we're on our own sophomore year, you know? <laughs>
1: um so how would you describe the transition from high school to college as far as like on the court and off the court because I am just imagining being a freshman and walking on campus and like going to your first practice with Pat Summit and I feel like I would maybe pee my pants
0: yeah I definitely did a little bit uh (laughs) I think it was nice having so many freshmen there. Like you were one of I think there's four of us actually. I said five. There's four of us. Um there was one sophomore, four freshmen. And just knowing we were all there peeing our pants together was a nice feeling, you know? Like everybody <laughs> who were in this together, you know? Like I'm glad I wasn't the only freshman coming in. And then at the same time you have this these five just incredible seniors that literally took us under their wing and just was like we they create created the culture we had no choice but to follow them you know it was even the conditioning drill for the test like Candace looked at me and was like you look like you're gonna shit your pants like stay with me like you know like just we're gonna run lines just stay with me I'm gonna pace it for you and you're gonna be fine and so it was like from day one like they took care of us and it was good it was a good experience it was good culture yeah. to come into did yeah, you good situation
1: Did you feel like you were prepared physically for all that conditioning?
0: Um, yeah, I feel like I was for sure. I man, my my sister is very intense trainer. Like I remember when we were in like fifth grade, she'd be like, knock on my door at 5 a.m. and be like, come on, we're gonna go run hills. You know, like oh yeah, yeah, she's crazy. She's like, I'm like, okay, all right, let's do it. You know, so (laughs) she she definitely like had that discipline mentality and i had that at a young age because of her so it was going and doing that wasn't too bad
1: okay well that's good because i remember i mean i was i feel like i was in decent shape but i remember putting my hands on my hips like just telling myself leslie don't bend over don't don't show your weakness like you want to curl up in a hole and die but just like keep it together keep it together.
0: Isn't it crazy? Like some of the, even the, I have two uh, European teammates on my team. They're just like, I don't know how I survived college for four years. Like the conditioning drills and just everything, like, you know, our bodies are a little bit more broken down than everybody else. (laughs) It's just from those four years. (laughs)
1: Right. And then you get to your professional career and it's my professional career, at least I don't know about yours, but like we've never really ran sprints.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like, yeah. I think one time the coach was like half court and back, you know, not here from another thing. I was like, really half court and back, you know, <laughs> Is that, was that yeah. supposed to scare us?
1: <laughs> right. Which I feel like we're still in shape um, because yeah. we, the drills and everything are very dynamic, but as far as just running to run, we don't mm. do that very often. Um, so then how was the transition yeah. off the court as far as school and just balancing that? Was that ever a obstacle for you?
0: Yeah, yes, definitely. School was difficult, I think, going from high school to college because, you know, college, it's one, maybe two, you know, you got your two tests per semester or whatever it is. And so I'm like, I got lots of time to study. No, like, you you know, you got to be doing a little work at a time. So that first year, um, that first semester was really hard um, school wise and Everything else, but then you get the hang of it with time. And they, you know, for basketball, they have specifically—I don't know—my experience. We had so much support. Like we had a, like athletic student center, whatever. Where we can go in and have tutors if we need a tutor. Like people that are helping us along the way. So I think we, with the resources we had, we had to try pretty hard to not do well in school. You know, <laughs> right? you're <laughs> admitted advice. They made it easy for us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, but going back to basketball, real quick, what I was reading this morning on the internet was that you were the 10th Lady Bowl to start as a freshman. And you started like yeah. 30 out of 38 games or something like that your freshman year. And yes. when I read that, let me tell you, I was like completely shocked because I just think back to my freshman year and. <laughs> I was making mistakes every two seconds. And I can just I have the voice of one of our assistant coaches just being like, get off the floor, get off the floor. And it was, just (laughs) it was stressful, like practice was so stressful. And I was just trying to survive. So then I see that you started and you didn't just start at like, you know, sisters of the poor university, you started under Pat Summit. And I'm just like, how in the world did you do that? You must have been, I mean, you, that just blows my mind.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a, I actually came in at a good time. So I was two shooters just had graduated. So like it, my position was kind of needed for the lineup. Like I fit in perfectly, I think for what they needed that first year. Um, Yeah, and it's honestly like, I think the first game I forgot, I was so nervous starting that I, I mean, and we played the USA team. My first ever college basketball game was against, like I was guarding Diana Trazi. Like we played the, the yeah, like the US, they were going on a tour to practice games or whatever, it was an exhibition game. And I was just like so nervous and I forgot the entire first play and everybody was yelling at me. So, I mean, I'm right there with you. Like I was, it was a mess. Like I'm not saying it was pretty, you know? Like, <laughs>
1: well i just that says a lot about the type of player you are i mean mentally um emotionally because that's a big responsibility at a big university like that so i just i mean i applaud
0: you but you know, you got candace parker it's pretty easy like they just triple team her and i think that was the most shots i got literally because having that kind of center obviously you're gonna you gotta pick your poison and that's kind of what that I think I shot the most threes that year because it was, it was so easy.
1: Which speaking about three pointers, yeah, I read that I think you have. Well, I don't know if somebody has broken it now, but at the time you had the record.
0: Yeah, I have no idea if it's like still there.
1: Three hundred and five, maybe. But you did your research. I'm impressed. <laughs> well, I had to read <laughs> up on <a little> <laughs> But it just kind of surprised me because I feel like in the Liga Femenina Endesa in the Spanish league. I, when I think about Angie Bjorklund, I think about a pull-up jump shot shooter. I don't necessarily think about a three-point shooter, which you can shoot three, but in my mind, your strength is like off the dribble, pull up, elevate, and just nail it. Um, So that kind of just stood out to me. Um, Yeah, there was a lot of,
0: yeah, like I said, it was, we always had like very dominant post players at Tennessee, I feel like, well, at least the years I were there, so it you know, it kind of made it easy to just kind of stand in the corner and wait for your three. <laughs> but, and we had a lot of like dynamic players as well. Like people that could drive people that could like, my role was definitely just a shooter. Those four years. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. so your freshman year, you guys win the national championship against Stanford. Yes. Yeah. 68, yeah. 68 or 64 to 48. Um, yeah. Them. your freshman year just like welcome to college okay let's win a national championship with pat summit and candace parker like what yeah, was, it was, what was that experience dream. like it
0: was it was a good experience like i think for me like i said before like i felt like i was kind of along for the ride. um those seniors like that was their championship like that i mean the way they took us under their wing and just like dominated i mean it was I don't know if you know the score from the game before that like the championship was exciting but when you win by that much it's like okay you know it's coming the whole time but the game before we only won by one point and it was the last second shot so that like probably my favorite game ever was that final four which was super exciting
1: and did you um, take that final shot
0: no girl <laughs> i was in the corner I boxed out that's all i did
1: who i was, was they just said Angie,
0: stand in the corner candace is gonna go one-on-one and hopefully they don't help you know and she passed it off the girl missed a layup and then there was like a tip in at the end and it was really exciting yeah
1: who was that against
0: I that was against lsu
1: okay yeah
0: yeah wow. so yeah no but it was exciting i think i think it was such like this aha like wow moment like wow, we did it, like I did it, you know, this is what everybody works for as a little kid, and it's here, and then that next year, I think also, I don't know if you know, we also made history by losing in the first round of the NCAA, (laughs) so I think there was also, like, this, like, oh, we arrived moment, then the next year, it was like, oh, yeah, like, we're here, you know, we're just Tennessee, like, we're just going to show up and win, and that, I think, is when I really like had to develop as a person and a player was the next three years after that so yeah yeah, it's very interesting
1: yeah because that's I mean you're setting the bar real high your first year Yeah, like yeah (laughs) to try to get back to that every year afterwards I mean it's yeah it's not everybody gets that chance even just once so
0: yeah yeah it was
1: pretty cool And I'd like to ask you too, like when you think about your four years and when you think about Pat Summit, are there any little like nuggets of wisdom or things Mm -hmm. that she used to say that have stuck with you um, until today? Because I know my high school coach, um, Mm. not not to be dropping names, you know, a name dropper or whatnot, but
0: (laughs) drop them, come on.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm sure you are aware of Paige Becker's, right? Yeah. Yeah. so she yeah. went. She went to the same high school that I did. So my um, my high school coach coached me, and then he obviously coached Paige. And mm. I he was just a great coach that has influenced me. Like I still have his voice like in my head to this day. And I remember specific things like he would say, "Pay attention to detail," um, mm. or "Be quick, but don't hurry." Um, right and he would just always make stupid jokes about like movies that none of us had ever seen. And he, and we would always just laugh about it. So I'm just wondering like, what, what do you specifically remember about coach summit? And um, mm. yeah, just what, what little yeah. takeaways you have?
0: Ooh, I think the biggest thing was just that. Um, well, first of all, she was a lot of people don't know unless you're around her. She was like the most witty, funny person mm. that you'd ever meet and very, I think off the court, like she had such good relationship. If you wanted a relationship with her, that it like, you obviously already have a respect for her. Cause she's like the greatest, you know, but it it was an additional respect knowing that she had your back no matter what. So like, you know, and she, if you wanted that relationship with her, she she's going to do anything for her players. And there's like the family aspect, like that she would continue to do that. And um, so I think that, that, a lot of people don't know about her is just off the court that just, I have so much respect for her on how she had relationships with their players. And then, um, but on the court, I mean, the most intense thing you would ever experience practices were like an hour and 15 minutes. There were no water breaks. You might get a sip on the side from a manager. I mean, it was like you were in a game the whole time. Like it was super, super intense. Um, I think she got the most out of her players. Uh, just, the greatest motivator i think if anything i learned from going to tennessee was like don't find like there's no excuses just figure out a way around it like if something's not working it's like make it work you know if you don't like that zone defense make that zone defense work figure it out you know like it's just like a no nonsense mentality like no excuses just you know straight to the point just give it all yeah i think i mean there's so much you can say about her we could go another 30 minutes about her you know
1: (laughs) well two quick things about what you just said i love that you talk about the relationships that she had with her you know if you wanted to have a relationship with her off the court because Mm -hmm. when you see her on tv you just see this like beast um you know she was so intense and she had this glare that was like you did not want that glare coming your direction Um, so that really is nice to know how personable she was off the court. Um, and then the second thing, your practices were only an hour and 15 minutes. Was that like a yeah? One one a
0: day, (laughs) too. Only one.
1: (laughs) Wow. But I can imagine how intense it would have been. Um, but that's really interesting because I feel like other universities, it's like these two and a half hour long practices, and you know, they're just they go on forever.
0: Yeah, and I think that is a lot to do with the trainer who, uh, Jenny Moshak, she actually, when Candace left Tennessee, took her with her basically and was like, okay, you're going wherever I go. Like, you know, this Russian team is hiring me. They're You're going with me and they're going to pay you. You know, she was the best. So I think she really respected Jenny Moshak and was like, okay, my players, if they're going hard physically for the body without getting injured, you you can only go hard for so long. You know, I mean, that's just – and then you need time to recover. Like, I'm not going to have, she never had two a days. Cause that's just, she knew she, she, you know, there was a reason that people that worked for her were there for 20, 30 years. Like she really gave everybody a responsibility. That was the other thing. Like she, she would sit in a timeout and be like, what do you guys see? You're on the court. You know, the greatest coach ever is asking me what I see. Like, okay, I want to tell you and then I want to do it. And then I want to win, you know, like she gives you that sense of ownership. Um, over things and and responsibility and everybody felt a part of the team. You know, it wasn't just Pat's summit. It was I could go on about her. She's amazing. But yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. really that's really yeah. interesting to hear that because few coaches would would do that, you know, especially in the middle of a game or something like that. Um
0: yeah, yeah. And especially somebody with such high stat I think that speaks to her confidence too. Like you have to have a lot of confidence to come up to a player and you know, humble yourself to the point of being like, hey, what do you see? You know, like, tell me what you think about this next, this team, hey, what, how do you feel? And then they listen to, you know, man, my legs are hurting. Okay, we're gonna go a little lighter in practice. Wow, if we go lighter in practice, now I feel like I'm taking ownership and wanna respond in a positive way. Yeah, like it's she's yeah, it's good. Yeah,
1: Exactly. Good. Um, yeah. Okay, going back to the academic part real quick, did you know what you wanted to major in before you got to college?
0: no <laughs> no idea no i think uh, school wasn't really i wasn't thinking about school i wish i was thinking about school now when i look back and using my use my education a little bit better but i kind of just just i was like communication psychology you know let's pick something that's kind of simple <laughs> that sounds bad but it's true
1: I mean it's not like I was a communications major um and obviously I think about it kind of like that too I'm like gosh engineering or biology you know I didn't study either of those two um
0: but I loved communications too like for me those two really were my favorite but now coming down to it I'm like what am I gonna do with psychology like I could you know like you have to almost continue your education to really I don't know
1: Right. To be a psychologist or to get your Ph.D. or I don't know. I'm sure you (laughs) could do a lot of things. Who knows? Um, OK, just just curious, because, yeah, a lot of a lot of young athletes have no idea what they want to study. You know, you do your general education credits and then I don't know if it's your sophomore year or the beginning of your junior year. You have to declare your major. Um, But.
0: Yeah. And I think it's okay too. Like, I think it's at
1: that age, I mean,
0: do you really ever know exactly? I mean, what do they say? You change your career like six, seven times before you find like, you know, you change jobs that many times before you find your career career, you know, unless you're lucky. So I I think it's so hard at a young age to like, it's rare to, you know, pick your major and then stick to it. And it's like, you know, those few that are really know, no, you know, so it's okay, yeah.
1: Your experience in Europe, have you had teammates that are maybe like 25, 27, maybe even 29 years old who are still studying and trying to get their university degree?
0: Good question. I should ask them that. <laughs> <Good question. laughs> I
1: don't know. <laughs> well, I yeah. just, the, the European system is so different, you know, because it's not like sports and academics are together. So, yeah. Like, I just look back yeah. at all my teammates throughout the years and some of them are older, you know, they're in their like late 20s and they're still working towards their university degree because, you know, if you have a game and a test on the same day, your teachers, your professors could care less because they're not yeah. obligated to let you go to that game and then give you the test at another time, you know.
0: Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. And at the
1: same time, I kind of like it because... As these players continue to play throughout their late 20s, early 30s, a lot of them, it's like, hey, if you're interested in something, like start studying this or do this course, right. or, you know. And in the United States, hmm. it's like once you're done with college, you either go to that WNBA or you're done and you have to right. start working, you know. So it's just it's different. And I don't know if throughout the last 10 years that you've been out of school and you've been playing, like, have you been thinking about Uh, studying something or like what you might do in the future or are you just still kind of well I
0: took I took three I actually stopped so I and then I took three years like I thought I was done after two years overseas and then I um, went and I thought for sure I wanted to be a college coach so I got into I worked for Santa Clara I got into the director of basketball operations because that's kind of the foot in the door job to being an assistant Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: uh, just was like not for me You know like (laughs) um but great experience like I loved it and I think it's an amazing job for people that have a passion for it um and then I went back and got my master's as a grad assistant and then went back to playing again so I'm still kind of on the journey
1: did you get your grad assistant or your master's at Santa Clara or at Tennessee or
0: no 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 I so I did Santa Clara just as adobo like just did director of basketball operations, and then went to Idaho, close to home, University of Idaho. They have a good sports psychology program and was an hour from my hometown. So, and uh, yeah, did that for two years and then went back to playing.
1: And your master's was specifically sports psychology.
0: So it was under the umbrella of leisure sport, like activities or whatever. And sports psychology was the, yeah, but I got like all the credits for it
1: would you say that psychology has contributed at all to your growth as a player like have you taken anything that you've like learned in your psychology (laughs) classes at all or Um,
0: i should (laughs) i should either you know like it's like you know how they say like the counselors they probably are the ones that need the counseling you know (laughs) they don't take their own advice that would probably be but it was really interesting like i worked with uh Um, some golf players, some tennis players, just during those two years. And some obviously the basketball players, like I worked with them. And so it was fun, like diving into it and talking to athletes. And I definitely take things from it. And I can, you know, even on the team now, you know, I had a teammate that was like, man, my knee's hurting. Like, give me something. I know your sports psychology. So it's kind of fun to use that. But yeah, myself, I should probably use it more, but I don't.
1: (laughs) Well, I think. I think it's gaining like uh, momentum. I think sports psychology is something that's going to be, it's being taken more and more seriously and like more players are having psychologists or therapists where they get together on a Skype or whatever, zoom for once a week. And, um, it's interesting because I've never really thought about it that much, but we dedicate so much time to our physical fitness, um, you know, shooting, whatever, but how much do we dedicate to our mental fitness and like preparing ourselves mentally for the game or our concentration or our motivation. Um, So, yeah. So
0: at at Tennessee, we had one uh, that I went to personally. Um, And so I did work with one for those for about three, four years. And then I, I, I mean, I loved it. I just never continued with it um, for whatever reason, but I still even use some of the stuff that I learned from him. Yeah, um, for myself, you know, shooting wise and stuff. So, yeah, it's good. And I think it's like, it, like you said, it does give you that, you know, if you want to continue to advance as a player, you can only get so far physically and,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: skill wise. The next thing is like to work on the mental game. So, I think a lot of you see a lot of like Olympic athletes are the ones using it that are at the highest level, especially individual sports, you know?
1: So
0: yeah. I can't even imagine
1: yeah. playing an individual sport. Goodness. <laughs> it's like all about you. Yeah.
0: And what's interesting too is sports psychology is used for like a lot of like jobs i could get with it would be like for the military as well because it's just anything that involves performance or even like surgeons a lot of surgeons will hire a sports like performance coach because of the you know dealing with the pressure any kind of pressure anxiety hmm. to perform well yeah. yeah so i good. had never even thought it. about that yeah interesting
1: yeah yeah, yeah. um cool Okay. So walk me through your senior year and getting drafted. Did you know that you were going to get drafted? Did you go to like the draft party or whatever? Did you get all dressed up? You're shaking your head. No. So what happened?
0: <laughs> I had no idea anyone entered me into the draft.
1: I, I did
0: not No, They did not ask me. They just assumed. And I was studying for a final and somebody i just started getting these texts like congratulations and i'm like what are you talking about like andy <laughs> no i'm not kidding like that's my story <laughs> and they're like well you you got drafted to chicago you know and i was like oh i didn't like i didn't even think like oh basketball is what i was going to continue to do and i was like well i guess i'll just keep playing but i have a very unique story in the sense when it comes to basketball like playing at tennessee was my high school and then after that i was like if I keep playing, I keep playing. If not, then that's okay.
1: Wow. You are so, I don't know if humble is the right word, but so Pat, your Pat didn't even tell you like, Hey, Ange, just to let you know, like you'll probably get drafted.
0: Mm -mm. No, (laughs) but after that, they called me and was like, okay, we have some agents. Like if you need an agent, here's some names. And I was like, well, I guess I need an agent. Like, I kind of just was like, let's do it. You know? All right. Yeah, it was, yeah, I wasn't, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're blowing my mind. So you got drafted, I think you were drafted 11th or 10th?
0: No, I was like 17, I think.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I feel like I have it written down. Oh, maybe
0: 11, maybe 11. Maybe I'm lying to myself. I don't
1: know. You were drafted in 2011. I, yeah, to the Chicago sky, sky. So you you finish your final and then did you finish like your senior year right then and there? Cause I know it's kind of during that springtime area and it's, I think it would be tough for a student athlete to then what you have to drop school and go to training camp or do you finish school? Like what do they let you do?
0: Um, no, so they, uh, yeah, they, that's a good question. I'm trying to think. I remember, cause it was kind of similar from when we were, did, win the championship you basically miss the entire you know month of school and I think a lot of the um teachers are just like okay here take the exams early if you can or take them while you're there whatever it is I honestly can't remember it was all kind of a blur it was
1: yeah well when you go to the championship game that was your freshman year but it's like that's a long time to be at the tournament and to be traveling and playing and
0: yeah. You miss a solid month of school. I, I remember taking tests in the hotel rooms and having like the proctor or whatever. I mean, I'm sure you've done that plenty of times too, where you just, you know, you have somebody, you know, assistant coach or something, something watching it mm-hmm. take the test and yeah.
1: Okay. But so how did you feel when you were boarding the plane and like going to Chicago to start your rookie season?
0: I'm yeah, to- I was excited. Yeah. I think it was like, um, I wasn't yeah I just I knew the a little bit about the process how it's the WNBA is interesting cuz it's kind of how they do it with the draft you know there however many players show up for the training camp is the first thing and then you know you two weeks in there's every day it's kind of weird it's every they're not like oh so and so got cut you just show up and there's like two less people and you're just like guess I made it you know like guess I made it past this day you know? <laughs> At least that was my experience. Or like at one point my roommate was moving out and I'm like, I'm so sorry, you know? Like, this is just a very, I'm like, wow, okay, this business is cutthroat now, you know? It's not like Tennessee, let me let me pat you on the back through this, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was a unique experience, Yeah, very different.
1: Here today, gone tomorrow. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. And, and then I- at the end they were like, this is the team and you're like, cool, I made it, you know? It's just like...
1: <laughs> I'm trying to think who would have been on that sky team your first year.
0: So I know Courtney Vandersloo was, um, Michelle Snow, um, Sylvia Fowles, um, you oh, are you jogging my memory again? Epiphany Prince. Yep. Right. Um, a couple other, but Courtney Vandersloo, actually, I was super excited. She was there because I, um, my sister played two years at Gonzaga with her. Hmm. So it was fun to have that like little, yeah, from home. I would train with them during the summer. So it was nice to have someone from home.
1: Definitely. And then I I saw this little YouTube video today and you talked about how you got injured, I think. And so was that kind of the end of your WNBA career or?
0: Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So, again, cutthroat. WNBA, unless you're one of the top players like i like to be honest i played about two minutes a game there in chicago like i didn't get any any playing time so a lot of times if you don't play um you're either you have to do a lot of conditioning outside of that and i ended up getting injured because i was just doing so much outside of it just trying to you know stay in shape and stuff and you know a couple days later they're like okay we're gonna bring in someone else so then you kind of just get cut yeah
1: wow (laughs) Was that tough emotionally for you or were you just like, it's not personal, it's just business?
0: No, I was excited that they still pay you, you know, so I got my money,
1: (laughs) like, you know how it is. (laughs) Yeah.
0: No, yeah. I mean, I wasn't surprised. Again, I was playing like two minutes a game, maybe. And then, yeah, so it was, and then I just went back to Tennessee to um, rehab my foot and they took care of me. And then I trained there until I was better and went overseas. Okay.
1: And your overseas career, um, I believe you played several years, at least four, maybe, in France.
0: Yeah, four years in France. Yeah.
1: Okay. And then, did you play a year in Israel too? Yes.
0: Yeah, so my first, I played a half season in Israel, and uh, that was after I got injured. So it was, I was out for like five months or something, four months or something, and then, yeah, I went to Israel for half season. And that was that was unique. And then went right into France after that for a full season, um, decided not to do WNBA again because I enjoyed my summer off after I got injured. <laughs> <laughs> I props to people that play year round. I mean, I honestly don't know how they do it. Like I highly enjoy my summers.
1: <laughs> I don't yeah. know how they do it either. I mean, some of my teammates right now, you know, they are going straight into the national team and you know, yeah, national team. Yeah.
0: It's insane. Or, you know, I love November break comes around. I'm planning my vacation and my teammates are going to play. I'm like, oh, that sounds tough. <laughs> Good
1: for you guys, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, if the struggle is real. It's a lot of wear and tear on the body. I I don't know how they do it. But um yeah. Yeah. so okay, so you play in France, you play in Israel, and then this is your first year in Spain.
0: Yes. Oh uh, well, and then I played one year in last year in Italy.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't see that one. Where in Italy? Yeah.
0: San Martino. Where's and we were for it's northern Italy and uh right probably like an hour outside of Venice. Okay. Yeah, it was nice. And then uh we were fourth before fourth, fifth tied before COVID hit and we got we got hit first because it was northern Italy. So
1: right. Yeah. yeah, you were kind of right in the thick of it.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. We were in the thick of it. So we, I think end of January, we were in all lockdown, beginning of February. yeah.
1: Right, because it happened there before it happened in Spain, because here it was like March. Um, yeah. There, it was definitely earlier. So then were you there for a couple months, like before being able to come home, or when did they fly you out?
0: Yep, I was there until like middle of March. So they kept they took a long time because they kept thinking, like, oh, like it'll get better. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. Let's keep practicing. Like, there were a couple times where we flew to a game, and then there's a couple time times when we flew to a game, and then uh, like they just be like, okay, it's canceled. And mentally, that's so hard. And I know some of my old teammates and friends from France are like kind of going through that right now where they didn't know, they don't know when playoffs are they finally found out, I think it's in another month or something, they're finishing up games, but they didn't even know if they're going to have playoffs. So for me, I'm like, wow, I'm lucky that, I mean, we're lucky we're in Spain to be able to have, play a season, you know?
1: I know it's crazy. I feel so fortunate that we've literally been able to play the whole season. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And, and we've had a lot of cases here in Spain. It's not like we haven't. So I don't know. Yeah yeah, it's,
0: it was, it's been an interesting season, you know, still, but I'm, I'm glad that we all pushed through and finished.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I guess specifically your team, you did have quite a few uh, cases recently. (laughs) I
0: I was the one that didn't, I don't know what I'm eating or, you know, you didn't get it. No, I was the one of four that didn't get it. I was lucky, but I still had to be locked in the house, you know? So I'm like, but even like some of the players still are feeling the effects some of my teammates i'm just like oh man it's tough
1: i know it's a crazy thing i mean i had it like this whole last season was so funny because yeah we played against each other on valentine's day february 14th in madrid and then it was like that next morning on monday we got this call being like well there are several players oh yeah that's great Yep, so we got that call and we were like, "Okay, great." So we canceled practice that day. We didn't yeah. practice on Tuesday, and then Wednesday we got tested and I tested positive that that day on Wednesday. But I honestly don't know if it was from you guys or if I had had it prior. Like I have no idea because the incubation, oh. like there's an incubation period, right? And so if we played against each other on Sunday, and then I tested positive like Wednesday morning, that's a really short period of time. So I honestly yeah. I honestly don't know if if it was like your fault or if it was I picked it up at some other, you know, like a day or two before that. I have no idea.
0: I know. And it's that's the hard part is we all were like, okay, it was just one player. And then it's like, okay, no, there's like nine players, you know. <laughs> wow oh it was crazy yeah it just it was quick for us too like it was like one player had it and then that whole week it was just we kept testing kept testing and yeah and you never know sometimes someone it was like a false positive or negative or you just it's hard it's a weird and I think only a few people had really strong symptoms like Ruzo was the first one and she had zero she probably had the least symptoms and you're just like well that's It's such a weird virus. So,
1: It attacks everybody so differently because like our head coach had it and he's 50 something. He's not in the greatest shape. You know, he's not, he's not a professional athlete and he had no symptoms and had no problem. And then I got it. And for two weeks, I was like, headache, body aches, sore throat, coughing. Like I couldn't smell anything. You know, I was tired. And I'm like, how is it possible that my young self is going through this? <sighs> my, and my head coach, who is not nearly as fit as I am, had no problem. You know? Right,
0: right. It's crazy. I mean, that's kind of the crazy thing about it is you don't know what you're going to get or what how it's going to affect you. It's kind of, yeah, scary. Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad you guys made it to through too. Are you? How are you feeling now? Did you still feel the like running wise and the effects Um, of it, or
1: I, I feel okay. Like I think right now I feel great. I'm pretty sure, but maybe a week or two ago, I still had a little bit of pressure in my chest, but when I was running and when I was playing, I honestly didn't feel a difference. Like in the very beginning. Yeah. I was a little tired, but like, then I was fine. Um, Okay. Okay. And I have to admit that like here in the house, we have some weights. So the first week and a half, two weeks of quarantine, I was feeling crappy and I didn't do anything. But then the last two weeks, because I was at home for like 32 days, but the last two weeks I was feeling, Mm. I was feeling much better. So I was like doing kettlebell swings and I was doing like one legged squats and I was trying to do everything that I could because the season was like coming to an end. And I'm like, oh my gosh, am I even going to be able to get back? And if I do get back, am I going to be able to contribute You know, so, um, luckily I was able to like do some stuff and the, the normal population, you know, normal people that aren't professional athletes after they do their quarantine, they're allowed to just go out and do their thing. Like they don't have to quarantine anymore.
0: Yeah.
1: So, I mean, honestly, I, I still was testing positive, but the, whatever they call it, like the viral load was probably so low that I wasn't really that contagious so um, um, I'm saying this publicly on the podcast, which I don't know if I should, but, <laughs> you know, like we have, to take, we have to take the garbage out, you know, whether we, right. you have to. So I would literally go down, I would take the garbage out at times during the day when I knew that like people were working or not, they wouldn't be like walking around. So I would take the garbage out and then literally like two streets away from us is this huge natural park. And so I, I would go and I would go for a jog during the middle of the day when like nobody was in there and I wasn't crossing paths with anybody. So, I mean, at least I was able to do something, but like, I wasn't going to the grocery store. I wasn't taking public transportation. You know, I was just taking out the garbage and then going to the park, running a little bit and coming home. So
0: nice. yeah, the garbage takeouts were my favorite (laughs) part of the day. I think I took out the garbage three times i'm like i need to get more garbage bags because like let me get outside again you know <laughs> and uh-huh. we're in a small town and i don't have it like i'm negative so i was a little bit i get that i was around people that are positive so i snuck out for a jog one day literally got a text within five minutes that was like angie get
1: back in the house so i was like <laughs> you can't get away with anything like right because garen is a small like, town I mean, you lock an
0: athlete up, you get start. I think I was doing like defensive slides in the hallway. Like, I'm like, man, this is hard for us, you know?
1: Yeah, especially because you had the Queen's Cup coming up right then.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right into the March Madness. We took March Madness to the whole new level five games, <laughs> seven days. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> I think we set a world record for the amount of games played in a week like
1: <laughs> the end of your seat. well you guys are still playing but like the end before playoffs that was crazy for you guys because how many games did you have in one week five yeah and you still yeah. beat us and you still beat us even though you were exhausted <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh we were so tired so tired but you I know our- we got great team chemistry though like we I mean, we've, yeah, like I, this team's been awesome. It's been good. We've stuck together
1: well. Yeah. You really landed in a great group uh, for your first year in Spain. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Amazing. And I like, that's, I, I I kind of asked someone that I was like, is this how every team in Spain is? Or did I get, you know, I'm like, I'm going to come back to Spain, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When we played you guys that first game in the the big, you know, arena, the Wissing Center, I feel like maybe that game you guys were a little bit more tired. Um, and then obviously Nadia didn't play as many minutes. Um, and it was such a low scoring game. Like the final score was what, 47, 42 or something like that.
0: That was, I know people that were watching were like, that game, you guys. And I'm like, I don't know what happened. Like, it was rough it was, on both ends. Such a low. Yeah.
1: It was a defensive was a battle. battle.
0: Yes. Defensive battle for sure. Yeah. Yeah. How was that for you guys playing in a gym you're not used to?
1: That is the third time I've played there in the last two years. So, like, I had been there before, oh. but it's not like we practice there or we're ever hardly there. Um, so yeah. it's different, but I, I do enjoy it just because I think the floor is so nice. Um, hmm. It was
0: a good gym. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah,
1: but obviously the baskets and like the, your depth perception is maybe different there, um, which is yeah. like why the shots weren't going in. I don't know, but yeah. that was a defensive battle for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Different then, from the fun
0: house. I call you guys' gym, the fun house with the painting. And I walked in, I'm like, look at this fun house. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an amazing, amazing that's, painting though. Like, wow.
1: Yeah. That was new last year. They just painted that last year. And then the other side with like the blue Movistar conectados, whatever, that was this yes. year. So it wasn't always like that. Um, Okay. Okay. That's funny. That's funny that you call us the Fun House because I look at your gym and I'm like, oh yeah, it's the box of chuches, the candy (laughs) box. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because all those seats, like every seat, is a different color, and it just looks like it's a box of candy. (laughs) I, I love
0: it. I love it. It's true. Yeah. Every every gym, you never know what you're gonna get. I'm just I'm thankful if the hoops are 10 feet tall. There's some rims. I'm like, man, did they lower this hoop on
1: purpose? You know? <laughs> what about Ben Bibre? Do you remember the Ben oh, Bibre, Jim?
0: Don't get me started. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to publicly, like you said, but come on, Ben Bibre. <laughs> <laughs> come on, get a measuring stick. <laughs> like These hoops are not 10 feet.
1: <laughs> well, and the. I mean, I can't believe that they did this, but when they like put them into the ground, you know, the back part of the hoop, like when they, oh is that one? it's too close to the court. So
0: yes, it's shooting behind the backboard.
1: Yes. If yes. you drive, if you drive baseline and you want to do like a reverse layup, the, the hoop is like one meter further in. So you can't even do a reverse layup. I'm like, how did they yes. get here with this? What engineers, what engineers designed this? I want to know.
0: <laughs> my coach is like, get in the corner. And I'm like, no, oh, you don't want me to get in the corner for my shot. On this court? You
1: know? Right. You shoot from the corner and it's like, you're playing the game horse or pig. And you're having to like, shoot it over the backboard so that it goes in.
0: Yeah. I would take, and then we were kind of, as a shooter, there was another gym, the, the ice box. Man, what gym was that? Where like it's just freezing. Man, it was cold. I think it was in the dead of winter. Yeah, I'm not gonna be able to be able to tell, but we had players with jackets and oh what game was that?
1: It wasn't I'm not gonna be the right.
0: no, no, I didn't play at that gym. It was Mora? possibly. I don't I remember I don't I'm not sure. But it I mean, it was like they did not turn the heat in. It was a bit it was a bigger gym. Um, we had Noga coming out of the game with like our winter jacket on. I mean, it was that was another. I would take it, I would take a ice box over eight foot, like, give me a 10 foot hoop and I'm happy. Like as a shooter, come on, you know?
1: (laughs) Well, this winter, it was like historical snowfall in Madrid. We got like 20 inches, um, which has Mm. never happened before. And so they, and I think like the pipes were freezing in our gym. So we actually were out, we were without heat for a while too, and it was miserable, I have to say. Ooh, ooh, yeah, Yeah.
0: they just got a heater here, because, you know, the weather's not great in Granica, that was the other thing, I, I didn't do my research coming to this place, and every, you know, United States, you're like, Spain equals sunshine, right, I'm like, I did not, I did not pack right for this, like, we're back in Seattle, you know, it's just raining every day, right, but they just got a heater this year, so I was thankful, been nice to have a heater in the gym yeah. but that's yeah
1: yeah because your gym your gym doesn't really have much installation either it's like you literally enter the gym and then you're basically like almost on the court um but yeah, think- and there's
0: there's no walking to the you know you don't have to go up 10 flights of stairs to get to the locker
1: room either like,
0: <laughs> Like you guys, I'm like, this is strategy. I was like, just picture Rocky, you know, running up the stairs.
1: <laughs> I know you definitely get used to it, but that's a good point. We do, we have those stairs, and at halftime, you're like, oh, I have to walk up these stairs. Yes, I'm
0: like, this is strategy. This is strategy.
1: For <laughs> <the way." laughs> Too funny. Um, okay, we yeah. have gotten way off topic, and we're just literally like talking, yeah. and I'm not even asking you. Right. But just out of curiosity, what would you say are like the biggest differences between the France division one league and the Spanish division one league? Cause I've heard really good things about France, like super competitive.
0: Yeah. Um, I would say yes, super competitive. What's fun about France is any team can beat any team. I mean, you could have like, like one year I was on the Euro league team building the desk and then we were like in the playdowns like that year, but we were in Euro league. So it's just like, wow. you know, it's, any, it's fun in that way. Um, another year, I was in Tarb. We were seventh, I think, going into playoffs, and we beat the number three team, you know, to go to the next. And we ended up making to the championship as a seventh, you know. So it's it's a really fun. You, you have to be on your game every game, like you know. There's no and, but that's kind of how I felt like in Spain this year too. Like I, like there was games where I was like. Man, we gotta we can't take a game off or you know you gotta be careful. so it's i would say, you know just talking to my Spanish teammates, they said it hasn't always been like this, but the Spanish league is getting more and more like more like the you know the French league where it's kind of more equal right. um as far as playing style, definitely more aggressive. Uh, in the French League, like, more power players and more one-on-one and less, like, tactic. Man, the first two weeks here, I was like, these Spanish guards are fast, man. Like, <laughs> like so fast. Um, they are. And smart, super smart players, like, super tactical. Um, you know, I it's been fun uh, to play in different leagues, even the Italian mm-hmm. League, too, just different – I think the the Italian league, specifically the team I was on San Martino, the coach was very, very tactical. And whereas before it was like, "Hey, two pick and rolls and, you know, we're relying on the player's skill more than like a team offense. So it's, it's been fun to have a little bit of experience from different countries. It's, it's mm-hmm. been good. Yeah. Yeah. I would,
1: I would agree with you. I think Spanish basketball is very tactical just, Um, Defensively and offensively. Um, And I think they work on that stuff from a young age, because here in Europe, I don't know if you've had experience with this, but like, if you want to be a coach at a federated level, you need to do coaching. You need to go through coaching courses and like pay money and do these courses. And in the States, I don't think you really need to do anything to become a coach, right?
0: Well, no, you could just be, you just have to know somebody that knows somebody. (laughs) And you can have a job you know right Right. yeah that makes that's interesting I didn't know that
1: yeah so I mean here in Estudiantes we have a huge feeder system right we have all these younger teams below us and each of those teams are coached by coaches who are like have passed these coaching courses and so they're getting taught stuff that I look back at my like fifth grade and sixth grade years where we just had like a mom or dad coaching us, you know? And it was like, okay, kids, yeah. like, good job. You know, here we go.
0: <laughs> Shoot, you know, it's like, what?
1: <laughs> Score. You know? Yeah, and so they're they're being taught footwork and different things that like I was never taught as a little kid, but um,
0: yeah. For sure, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's great, that's good I- for them now.
1: I signed up for the first coaching course and it's a lot more work than I expected. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. Good and bad. I'm like, Oh dang, I have to, there's a lot to do here, but, um, yeah,
0: well, that's where you want. That's what you're heading into then. I love it.
1: Well, I'd like to have it in my back pocket just in case I want to be a part of a team at some point, you know, I don't know if I'll do, cause there's like z- the zero level course first level second level and third level and if you have to do the third level if you want to coach at like a professional level um but so we'll see but um yeah just to have it yeah might as well love it um okay this is this we're like going on and on here but quickly (laughs) are there any like cultural differences that really stood out in your mind whether it was Israel France Italy Spain um, just things that made you laugh or you were like, oh my gosh, this is how they do things here or food or just, I don't know.
0: Every year, something new. Um, I think definitely the their way of life. I just remember, you know, the American way, like where I remember waking up in the morning and I'm getting into my car on the way to you know school and I'm driving with one leg and eating my cereal with the other. And then I'll pick up my coffee. I'm just on the go all the time. Right. <laughs> this is like, go, go, go. That's how my family was. That's just, I feel like how the culture is. And I remember the first time my teammates invited me to dinner and I was thinking, you know, like quick 30 minute cheeseburger, right? Like, no three hours later I'm like you need coffee after the you know after the uh dessert right like you need that like come on like I gotta go you know (laughs) this is an event um so that was I think that was different here in Spain definitely the lunch at two or three is different (laughs) going to bed you know team dinners on the road so late that was different um I don't know, just usual routines, I think, stand out the most as a as a basketball player that I kind of get bumped into that you would um, just on the court practice how they practice their type of, you know, two-a-days and this kind of thing. Like, obviously, it's different than the United States going from my one hour and 15 minutes from college like, <laughs> to two hours in the morning, three in that night. Uh, yeah, I... I mean, I'm sure there's so many things that I guess if we sat here and talked about it, we could come up with.
1: What um, What advice, if any, would you give to any young kids that are like thinking about coming overseas just as far as what they should expect? I mean, granted, every country is different and every club is a little different, but um, the mentality that maybe they should have or what they can do to fit in on their teams, um yeah. The re- because it's different. It's way different from college as far as resources wow. to go too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think keep an open mind and realize you're not going to a five star resort situation necessarily. But keep. Yeah. Like especially from like we're pretty spoiled at Tennessee, like the especially with the football program and stuff. Like I think any college, university you go to with a football program, you're going to get treated. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the top class stuff and uh I think going into it open minded, you know, don't just don't have any expectations. Don't, you know, try to stay open minded as far as um, you know, you might show up at your apartment and the heat's not working and there's no Wi-Fi. You know, like you know, like I think that you just have to yeah, stay open minded and also explore and experience. I think my first year I got stuck into the you know the time diff. Difference of trying to keep up with my friends and staying up all night talking and then I would sleep in and I missed out on the culture and getting outside and experiencing things like try to go out with your teammates that are from, you know, if you're in Spain, from Spain, or if you're playing in France from France and just experience their culture and, you know, go to the local market, go to, you know, try to do things instead of it's easy to get stuck in your own bubble. You know how it is. Mm -hmm. as a foreign player it's very easy to isolate yourself and I would say don't do that
1: (laughs) yes well I feel like you have integrated really well into the team um so I yeah it contributes to your experience your overall experience of just living in a different country and um you know it's an opportunity that how many people get to have so why not just make the best of it you know but um Exactly. Um, And real quick, like what do summers look like for you? Because for professional athletes, when you're not in college anymore, you don't have anyone telling you like what to do and how many reps and this and that. And for foreigners, when you sign on a European team or wherever you're going, like you want to make a good impression and you want to show up and you want to be in shape. Um, because if you're not, you know, for me personally, it's like a respect thing. I want to, I want my teammates to respect me and I want to show up and I want to be professional and I want to be ready to go. Um, and in summers, it's tough because you're kind of training by yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, and I think communication with your, whatever coach, I think it's always been helpful for me to communicate with my coach going into it or my trainer, you know, who's going to be my strength trainer, like, I would have to, I have to communicate about my injuries. If I have, if you have any, or like if you, what their weights program is, what they expect, you know, for just ask, you know, ask what they expect, ask what role, you know, they see you as, you know, am I going to, do I need to work on my, you know, driving game or do I need to work on my shots? Do I need to like, how, how does that coach see you fitting in with um, their program to, to prepare for that next year? I think that's, the first thing is just communicate. And then, um, yeah, man, I remember my first year in Israel when I didn't have to lift weights, I was like, Oh, I don't have to lift weights anymore. You know? No, do not go down that route. <laughs> I learned the hard way that, I mean, I just saw my performance drop just my strength. So it was the learning experience that, you know, it does help to continue, especially after college, to get in the weight room throughout season, you know, once or twice a week or whatever it is. And you learn, you'll learn as you go. Um, communicate to other, you know, talk to other professional athletes that have gone to that team, if you can, or like, Hey, what, what should we expect? Cause every team really is different. Like, I don't, I've never had the same preseason on any professional team. So that's a hard one to say. I would say kind of what we were talking about before, um, as far as conditioning goes, there's nothing better than actually playing basketball for conditioning like I could sit and run on a football field all day long and then go play basketball and feel out of shape so what I mean that's just for me pick up games just get you know even if it's against guys just running up and down the court and playing some defense <laughs> here and there like just try to <laughs> try I, I think just playing is the best thing you can do for conditioning personally change
1: directions jump a little bit you know get your butt down on defense all that good stuff yes if I
0: can't find pickup games this isn't like you could probably imagine me by myself on a court but I'll be like try to visualize like I'm in a game you know go down sprint okay maybe some defensive (laughs) slides (laughs) trying to like get into game shape you know I'm a little out there (laughs) another thing I do is a lot of people like to just run on concrete I hate running on concrete like I hate just going outside and running I just you know let's cut to the chase i just go ahead and do some hill sprints you know let's just go up like but hey if i can sprint up a hill i can sprint on a flat court you know so that's worked for me as well so i don't know everybody's got their own method though a lot of people hire trainers now i just choose not to but a lot of people do yeah
1: yeah i'm with you (laughs) yeah i'm with you um okay getting to the end getting to the end here what jersey number do you wear and why
0: Good question. Um, so twelve. I'm twelve. So, um, you know Gonzaga, uh, John Stockton. My, do you know John Stockton? Profession? Yeah. yeah. Old. Some people, especially the younger generation, if they're listening, they probably have no idea who John Stockton is. <laughs> so he, um, he's Spokane guy, Spokane native. So everybody who's like grew up in Spokane was a John Stockton fan. So I wore number twelve for that. Yeah, I Very love John cool. Stockton
1: yeah definitely yeah. um what would you say is your go-to bread and butter move on the court i mean just shoot. <laughs> just shoot which you do very well you do very well i must say catch
0: and shoots my coach is like this is funny he's like why not just shot fake and then dribble you know and and in my head i'm like well if I, I mean my teammate last year in Italy she was a shooter too and she was just kind of like it doesn't make sense if I have time to shot fake I have time to shoot you know <laughs> bad mentality probably I get what he's saying but uh, yeah I don't just shoot
1: when we when we played you guys in the Wizink Center we were up by like 12 or something like that and all of a sudden you hit two or three threes in a row and I was like <laughs> Will someone get on her? Do we not know that she's the shooter? Can, can you just get a hand up and like not leave her alone? Please. I <laughs> was so pissed. So I was like, we know she's a shooter. We know it, she's doing shooting by herself.
0: Oh man. And I'm just like trying to find that little inch of room. But yeah, I think it, sometimes as a shooter, you, you kind of get in trouble just dribbling or trying to do too many moves and your best option is just to catch and shoot. So
1: yeah. <laughs> It's, simple.
0: it's probably my best option. Um, yeah. When
1: you come overseas, do you bring any sort of food product or anything with you that you know that you're not going to be able to find?
0: <laughs> I. <laughs> that's a great question. Because. <laughs> uh, so I well now we have Amazon that's just able to deliver anything at your door and one of the things I would say that is my go-to Amazon order are is like buckets of peanut butter. <laughs> like, I'm a peanut butter fanatic, you know. So um but yeah, I think since Amazon kind of has taken over everything, I don't have to bring as much as I used to. You know, I used to bring like protein or that kind of thing. Or any kind of like multivitamin or stuff like that.
1: Do you have a favorite peanut butter brand or will you eat just any old brand?
0: No. Should I get my favorite? Brand? No, wait, wait. No, they We're, we're on. We're recording. Oh, you can get I, it I can't remember. I can't remember the name of it, but it's I found it overseas and it is like the creamiest.
1: Huh, because I buy some from. Right here, girl. Okay. It's called The Craft Peanut
0: Butter Manny Life Original Roast Smooth Thick Creamy No Crunch. Oh, That's it right there. You
1: weren't joking when you talked about like a bucket
0: of it. That's big. Yeah, it is a bucket, girl. <laughs> it comes in a pack of three buckets, too. It lasts for <laughs> solid three months.
1: <laughs> and you get that on Amazon?
0: Yeah, you can order anything on Amazon nowadays. But is this
1: Amazon.es or Amazon.com?
0: Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. you gotta do yes. Okay. Spanish, yeah, that's yeah, Spanish? that's the key. I think it's UK. Ah. I think it is London.
1: Okay, yeah, all right, I'll have to look into that because, yes, I go through peanut butter way too fast.
0: Yeah, and they sell jars of peanut butter that are like minis, like that's you know, awesome. air. Airplane size for like five, six euros, you know? Like, yes, come on.
1: I feel like people are finally kind of coming around to peanut butter here because now they're actually making peanut butter that's a little more healthy where it's like more protein and not as much sugar and whatnot. But before people were huh? like, ew, peanut butter that's so fatty and that's so full of calories. And I'm like, Will you look at the no. nutritional information on your uh thing of Nutella that you're eating? Because yeah. I'm sure that's like worse than peanut butter.
0: Oh, yeah. Or the hotel breakfast, you get like just a chocolate croissant and a bread and tomato and you're like, come on. (laughs) More than bread and tomato. Like, like, What is this going to do? And then they don't eat till two. What am I going to do from bread and tomato till two o'clock? Peanut butter, girl. Peanut butter. This is what I'm
1: going to do. (laughs) (laughs) so true yes the bread and then they like grate the tomato on there and the olive oil which i do enjoy it i think it's good but it just doesn't fill me up i need a little something more yeah i agree Um, okay so whether it's french whether it's hebrew whether it's italian whether it's spanish are there any favorite words that you have learned or like difficult words or just the words you think are funny that your teammates would always shout at you or
0: anything like that? Uh, <laughs> Sorry, the first thing is from like, Sliha uh, is excuse, like, excuse me, and is in Hebrew, like Sliha, uh, so I just remember my teammates. So Israelis are very like, have no really personal space and kind of like, if you don't get in line, like to me, I'm in line but to them you are not in line you know Space. and this was years ago there. oh yeah they just walk right in front you're just like and my teammate just would go up to people and just sleep hot you know just tapping on them yelling excuse me like so that word just always stuck in my head because my teammates yelling at the Israeli <laughs> really support um let's see uh favorite words
1: well and you know in Ernica there for people from the U.S. that don't know, like in Guernica, they speak a whole different language. It's not regular Spanish. It's called Uskera. And that's like on a whole different level. People don't even know where that language came from.
0: No. And it's I've heard it's very difficult to learn, like even to read it, like it's difficult to pronounce. We had to do a Christmas carol in their Vasco language. And I was like, The Spanish girls were like, how do I say this? You know? Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's not um, like
1: Spanish. It's completely different.
0: Yeah. To say goodbye in the best, is like, Argu, or something like weird like this. I can't even pronounce it right. It's like, Argu, everybody's saying that. And I'm like, okay. Um, there's, yeah. I'm trying to French. Um, you would think I would know French being there four years but as an athlete you're always signing one year contracts and you're like i'm getting out of france next year and then you sign again and by year four you're just like embarrassed you don't know the language you know <laughs> i'm like hey okay, if i come back to spain i am definitely learning spanish <laughs> You <Yeah, laughs>
1: um you probably have coaches that did like have a lot of your coaches spoken english or no
0: yeah yeah this is the first year that i've feel like uh, the most translating has happened this year yeah where Mario doesn't speak much well I think he does but the assistant will translate most of the time and then um, yeah if not um, in France for example like I always just had teammates that would translate Um, yeah I love the French accent though like I love how they just they're bonjour you know like merci like it just always it sounds so you know fancy like yeah <laughs> yeah totally yeah. yeah but completely different cultures every single one of them I love the hand I mean not even the language the Italian hand signals
1: <laughs>
0: oh, it was incredible. Just listening to them, talking their hand. I mean, my coach didn't have to say anything. We just got hand signals sometimes. Like, what are you doing? You know, all communicated through your hands. It was just like, okay, (laughs) it's great. That was fun.
1: Um, okay. And lastly, um, how do you think living overseas has contributed to your personal growth as a human being?
0: Mm, Huge. Um, I think, Wow. Uh, Anytime you can get out of any even just moving cities within the United States or moving to a different part of the United States, not just overseas and diving into a new culture. It just I mean, it expands your you just become more open minded about a lot of things, a lot of not just in basketball, but in life, like a lot of different. Like, oh, it is nice to like we talked about sitting down for three hours like, oh, I get how this could be nice. Like I'm intentionally having a like you experience things and you can incorporate different cultures into your own you know you can take small pieces that you like from each culture you're in and kind of incorporate it into your life and you do that without even realizing you're doing it because it's just especially when you live somewhere for an extended period of time not just go on vacation you know not just a week like you're really living here and you that gives you a chance to you know take it and take the good the good pieces from it and, you know, bring it and teach people at home.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, completely, I completely agree with you because I think sometimes the American mentality is like, oh, we do everything the best. Um, and then you come overseas and you're like, oh, that's how they do it. And oh, I actually kind of mm-hmm. like that better. And oh, like you can do it this way. So yeah, it's a-
0: and you're just stereotypes about things too like I had a stereotypical idea of what Israel would be like and it just got you know poof. or you know the French or these. you know when you build I think I would say like relationships break all the rules like when you build relationships with you know the, whatever culture you're in or people and you get to know the people you're like oh like okay this is how it, this is how this part of the world is you know and it's mm-hmm. helps expand your mind a little bit it's very very I think it's important i benefited from it a lot.
1: Yeah. I always say like how I feel so fortunate to be an athlete and to be able to like be on a team for seven months with these women from all different countries and all different like backgrounds where you really get to know them. You know, you you either live with them or you're sharing a locker room with them or you're traveling in a bus with them. You get to know their families like and yeah. that I think that type of um like closeness or empathy or whatever is just needed on a national level, worldly level. Um, Cause we're much more alike than we are different, I think. But
0: Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's so true. And the more you, and, and that's true. It is like, we, we have a girl from the Netherlands, Serbia, Brazil, United States. I mean, how many different cultures on one, you know, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's true. I didn't even think of that too. It's not just like, I'm an American and I'm around a bunch of Spanish players. It's like, no, we're all from right. everywhere.
1: It's yeah. Awesome. We're all, we're all different skin colors. We're a lot of us yeah. are different, different like sexual preference. I mean, there's such diversity on a basketball team and you religion, have everything. Religion, <laughs> yeah. But you're all working towards the common goal and you're all like fighting for the same thing. And um, you have to get, you have to get along in order to really like get to your goal and, Um, it's, I wish that the majority of other people could have the same experience, but in the majority of like normal jobs, you just don't get that. So
0: no, but it is your, that is, that's true. basketball is kind of your common. It's kind of your safe place at first. And I always say that I'm like, I don't know why it takes so long to like, you know, I wish it's like always towards the end of the year. I'm like, wow, I'm really getting to know you now, you know, but it's your, it's your safe place is basketball. It's like, okay, it's a 10 foot hoop, you know, this, the three point line is the same, this is the same. Like we're all a little bit different, but we're safe zone. Let's talk basketball, and then the more you get to know each other, it's like, okay, now let's dive into our differences in life. You know, it's great. Like it's a super unique experience. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, Angie, I appreciate you so much. This is the first time yeah. we've ever really spoken to each other, and I think we've been going for like an hour and a half. So. It's Woo-hoo. time it's time to let you rest and get ready for your next practice, but um, best of luck in the playoffs. You guys play not this weekend, but next weekend, correct?
0: Yep. Long break in between. So yeah, Thursday. So oh. yeah, it's good. Thank you. Yeah, this was fun. Well, I'm glad now we get a, I'm going to listen to all the podcasts now. I'm excited. Awesome. Well, yeah.
1: Thank you so much. Take care. Best of luck. We'll be in touch. All right. Sounds good. Bye. Ciao. All right, everyone, that wraps it up for another week here on Another Season in the Books. But before we go, what are your takeaways from listening to Angie's story? My personal opinion from talking to her now for the first time and from watching her play is that she is a fantastic basketball player, but she lives humbly, works hard doesn't seem to take herself too seriously, and values the team aspect of sport, and I'm convinced that because of all those things, she's been able to reach towards her full potential, play professional basketball, and most importantly, enjoy the journey. Angie is currently in the playoffs with her team, and I was able to watch them last night on TV. And as I was watching, I thought to myself that she is the type of player any teammate or coach would want on their team, because not only is she a sharpshooter from behind the arc and can give you those three points when you m- most need them, but she's the one pulling her teammates together for a huddle. She's talking and she's showing positive body language. And she's doing all of these things in a foreign environment where she doesn't speak the language which just tells me that leaders are leaders, bottom line. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Shout out to everyone on the West Coast, especially Howie and Patty Mankey. And if you enjoyed today's episode, let it be known. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or spread the love and share this podcast with a friend, family member, neighbor, I don't know, a random person on the street. These athletes have fabulous stories to tell, and they are worth a listen. So, signing off for today, I'm your host, Leslie Knight, wishing you all a safe and healthy week. Hasta luego.